0: so great to have each and every one of you here with us this morning. My name is Pastor Phil, and I am the pastor here at Clarksburg Baptist Church, and we have been going through Jesus, the series, and we are on episode four of season two. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll jump in. We're going to be in John chapter four this morning, if you want to uh, turn there after we're done praying. Don't do it. Don't open your eyes. It doesn't work then. Just kidding. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that you are in this very room this morning. God, I pray that every corner of this room, uh, every person, uh, even those that feel far away from you, uh, Lord, that we feel your presence today, God. uh, God, let it be known in their hearts, Lord, that you love them and that you see them and that you want great things for them. God, if only we would follow you and trust you and obey you. In your name we pray, amen. So here's a question for you this morning. Have you ever become friends with someone just because you wanted something from them? Come on, be honest. Am I not supposed to say anything because the person's sitting right next to you? Right? Have you ever been friends with someone because you wanted something from them? Well, I'm not proud of it, but growing up, there was a kid in our neighborhood that I did not like. He had one of those faces that you just wanted to punch. <laughs> he was always telling on me, he was always getting me in trouble, and uh, his name was Brent. I'm assuming he's not watching on the live stream this morning, so I think we'll be okay. But he's always trying to pick fights with me, but every year around May, I decided that I was gonna give Brent another chance. I was going to be the bigger man. I was going to try and see things from his perspective. I was going to look past all of his flaws and just give him another chance. Nope, that's not really the reason. He had a pool and I wanted to swim in it all summer. So every year, me and my brother would befriend Brent around May and have a falling out with him around August. I know, I know. I'm a horrible person. but. It had a diving board, okay? You understand. I took advantage of Brent because of this pool. How much more do you think people tried to take advantage of Jesus, right? Jesus was so much more miraculous. He could have turned that whole pool into grape soda if he wanted to. And people wanted to use Jesus. And we're going to see this morning how he reacted to people trying to take advantage of him. So we're going to be in John chapter four and verse forty-six. It says, "So he came to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and after taking part in the first uh, after taking part in the first ever cross-cultural evangelism that we talked about last week, we see Jesus here back uh, to where he went performed his very first miracle, turning water into wine. So he had Went and talked to this woman at the well, and now he was headed back. And he was famous overnight. But the people in Cana had already seen this uh, miracle of turning water into wine. They wanted to see him do even more miracles. We'll see that in, uh, going on here. It says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water to the wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. There was someone that had a problem. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So we have a rich official here that had a son that was on the brink of death. If you've got children or even if you've got nieces and nephews, you can understand the stress that was going through this man's life. And he had heard of Jesus, the one that had performed that miracle at the wedding. He heard that that same Jesus was coming back into town. So he left his city of Capernaum and he traveled 16 miles by foot or by camel to Cana because he thought that maybe the one that turned the water to wine could heal his son. He was desperate. He loved his son. And so he pleaded with Jesus This rich official, this royal official, began to beg a carpenter's son for help. I'm sure he had, as a father, executed and exhausted every resource that he had available to him, but nothing worked. Verse 48 says, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. We see here that Jesus cuts right to the chase. He says to this crowd and the nobleman that you're only really here to see my miracles. You're missing the point of who I am. I'm more than just miracles, but you're only really going to believe if I show you something. Verse 49, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. The man doesn't even deny his intent. He knows that if Jesus doesn't save his son, that he has no hope. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Just like that, this man believed Jesus could do it. He says, I I believe that this is possible. And he began to make his 16-mile trip home back to check on his son. Verse 51, it says, as he was going down, his servant met him and told him, That his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour that he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Before this man could even make it home, the servants met him and tells him, hey, your son is alive. And not only that, that fever that he had that was going to kill him is gone. And the nobleman asks, he's got to know, well, what time did this happen? And the servants tell him it was right at the seventh hour, the exact time that Jesus told him that his son was healed. Verse 53, the father knew it was the hour that Jesus said to him, your son will live. Look at these next words. It says, and he himself believed and all his household. See, there's a difference between believing that Jesus can do miracles and believing on him with your life. See, there's one thing uh, about saying and claiming that you are a believer, and then it's another thing of basing your life on Christ. Notice the difference between verse 50 and verse 53. Verse 50 says the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. But verse 53 says, He himself believed and his whole house. This noble man believed and his whole house. It became Personal, and not only that, it changed them. There was a difference in his household. Here's a side note statistics tell us that it makes a huge difference when a father leads his family towards Christ. According to data collected by the Promise Keepers and the Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church at all, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. And if the father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between 66 and 75% of their children will attend church as adults. What am I trying to say? I'm saying, fathers, it matters. It matters what you do. You matter. Why? Because your children are following you and don't expect them to value something that you toss to the side. this father took a chance on Jesus and he ended up believing and his whole house did as well. See, this was the second miracle that Jesus had done in his public ministry. People come to church for a lot of different reasons. People ask you to pray for them for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes they want something, sometimes they want out of something. A lot of times they're self-benefiting reasons. But Jesus here Allowed himself to be used. And he even had sympathy on the one that used him. These people were there just to see something. This nobleman was there just to get something. Why? Because why did he let himself be used in that way? Why did he just allow himself to be quote unquote taken advantage of? Because he had real love. Love that's bigger than just doing stuff for you. No, he wanted a relationship, so he allowed himself to be used to gain that opportunity. As Christians, I've heard uh, people talk about unchurched people and young Christians, and they'll say things like, I wish that they would dress different, or I wish that they would look a little different. Don't they know that they're in church? Don't they know what we expect of them? Or you might hear from time to time someone say, I don't get why we bend over backwards for these people that we know are just trying to get something from us. Either they want food or they want their electricity bill paid. They're never going to contribute to the church. Why do we keep allowing ourselves to be used? All I know is that Jesus allowed himself to be used by people with wrong motives so that he could show them that he really loved them and who he really was. We see things on social media, and people say stuff like this. See if you, uh, see if you have seen these, and if you actually have said these things, I don't know it, so don't change your face, okay? What <laughs> we see people say these things on social media, like this: I'm going to walk away from some people this year that don't treat me right. I'm going to cut some people out of my life, but it's their fault. They handed me the scissors. I have a limit, and once you reach it, I dismiss you from my life. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I only existed to some people when they needed something. How about this one? I'm not going to cross the ocean for people that won't cross a puddle for me. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't treat us like we treat people. Jesus didn't cut us off when our sin nailed him to the cross. He didn't walk away from us even when we use him. His love and grace has no limits. He even loves those of us that only remember he exists when we need something. People use Jesus, and they will use you. Leverage that. For the gospel, don't be surprised. We're all sinners, we're, and, and, and when we're in the flesh, that's all we're doing. We're just using each other for things. Only when we walk in the Spirit can we truly do something for someone outside of ourselves. A person that refuses to risk being mistreated will eventually become a person with no grace, no mercy, and no forgiveness. Don't live in fear of being burnt. If you're afraid to take risks, you will judge everyone as too risky. Love dangerously. Have radical grace and forgiveness. Have fanatical mercy. Remember, Jesus walked around with Judas in his inner circle, knowing that he would be betrayed. He still washed Judas's feet. All the while, knowing that Judas would stab him in the back for 30 pieces of silver. So when we set out to love like Jesus and to forgive like Jesus, you don't do it for that person's sake. None of us deserve any amount of love or mercy or forgiveness. That's not why we do it. We do it because Jesus did it for us and we didn't deserve it when he forgave us. We must remember that when we strive to help people, that we are serving God, not them. Regardless of if they say thank you, regardless of whether they go on to stab you in the back, God knows your heart. But too many of us have built a wall around our heart, afraid To step out and to do something because we know there's a chance that we might get hurt. But Jesus did it anyway for every soul that lives. Knowing that there would be some people that would not accept this amazing gift for whatever reason that he gave us on the cross. Sometimes in order to be like Jesus, we have to let people use us to show them who Jesus really is. Isaiah 53, 4 We see this just spelled out in a beautiful way. This relationship that we have. You're going to see who gets all the benefits and who takes all of the uh, punishment. Isaiah 53, 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to slaughter. And like a sheep that's before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This is the great exchange. Him for me. Him for me. Him in my place and me in his place, it doesn't make sense. But that is what we get out of him. We have to forgive those that wrong us because Jesus forgave us. He died in our place. He bore our sins and our griefs. We're not even supposed to really be alive anymore. The Bible says that we're supposed to be dead to self and live in Christ. And all those feelings that we have that we are going to cut people out and we're going to shut people down, that is all our flesh being scared of being burnt, but we've got to live with boldness and say, even if I'm used, I'm going to love anyway. Even if I'm taken advantage of, I will continue to offer forgiveness and grace and mercy, even when it doesn't make sense, because that's what will show the world that we are He died in our place. He bore our sins. He bore our grief. He was wounded for our sin. And by his stripes, we are healed. As God has been to me, so I will be to others. The people of Cana wanted to use him. They wanted to see a miracle. But what they really got to see was Jesus' heart. If they wanted to see the miracle, they were going to have to walk 16 miles to go see the effects of that. Here they got to see that Jesus cared. Luke 6, 28 tells us to bless those who curse you. And and I think sometimes we we think that this is just a general thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, like literally. You get cussed out. The person's driving next to you. They think you did something. You're No, you didn't do anything. But they curse you out. I'm sure that's most of our first reaction, right, is to bless them. Bless you. Thank you for that bit of instruction. I will try to add that to my driving technique here in the future. Now, There's words that come to our mind in the back, even if we don't say them. There's hand gestures that we would like to give, but we're a Christian. We know we can't do that. Bless them that curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. No, no, this doesn't say pray that you'll be okay through the abuse. This doesn't say pray that it will stop. It says pray for the person that is abusing you. That means the person at work that's trying to get you fired, pray. That they and whatever they're going through and whatever this is coming out and for whatever reason they're lashing out at you, that God would give them peace, that God would help them and help see something good out of that situation. That's not our first reaction, is it? We pray that damnation down upon them. We We want fire and brimstone. We're not looking for their good. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Man, these are big things. When someone tries to use you, when someone betrays you, it is a prime opportunity to show them what Jesus would do in that situation. When they cuss you out, wish them well. When they use you for something, pray they get it. When they hit you, give them a second chance. Offer up that relationship again. I wonder how many opportunities we miss to get the gospel out into the world because we don't act like Jesus. We cut them out of our lives instead. We set limits on their lives. And what if we instead, though, kept crossing oceans for those that wouldn't cross a puddle for us? In doing so, we would picture a great amazing illustration of what Jesus did for us eventually one day they're going to come back and say hey why did you forgive me when I when I tried to get you fired why did you still continue to treat me the same even in the face of all that I did to you and then you could say because Jesus did that for me and I know Jesus loves you and so I'm going to love you, regardless of whether you hurt me. Because of Jesus' sympathy towards someone that just wanted something out of him, a whole family believed on him. So let's stop giving up on people. And I know what's going through your mind. I can see it in your eyes. And I know your the future and all that. <laughs> just kidding. But you're in your mind right now, trying to think of all the reasons why your situation doesn't apply to what I'm saying right now, right? Yours is different. But Pastor Phil, you don't understand, look, I'm not the one that wrote this, I, I don't have this down. Jesus' sympathy towards someone just, that just wanted something from him made all the difference. Now, look, there are certain situations, if there's some real physical abuse or there's some harm that you're putting yourself in or your children in, there are uh, are times when you can't allow that to continue to go on. It's not good for the other person. It's not good for you. But most of us are much more likely to deal with hurt pride and feelings than anything that serious. But two things we want to hone uh, hone into uh, here this morning, now that it's our turn to live this life. Number one is this, there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus with your life. If you're here today and this church thing is just a side thing for you, it's just one of the things you're into, it's a hobby or it's just a way to honor your parents before you or uh, you know, it's just what you've kind of always done, you're kind of more in that believing in Jesus, like you think it's good. You think Jesus is a smart guy, but it's a whole nother thing to believe and base your life on this. It's a whole different thing, and it's not easy. It's it's changing some things about you that don't line up with this. It's saying, I'm not going to live a life just to further my fame and my reputation, but I'm rather going to live a life that furthers the kingdom of God there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus with your life first the father believed enough to ask and maybe that's where you're at this morning and that's awesome that's a great place to be in but next he believed enough to act next he believed enough to act and follow through it's one thing to say that he can do miracles and when things get hard just to say hey God help me out here I don't have any other choice But it's another thing to say that you want to follow him with your life. To set out, to change your actions based on your belief. It's not just learning the teachings of Jesus. It's complete surrender. Is that where you're at? Are you ready this morning to say, Jesus, I'm ready to leave anything behind to sacrifice, to follow you? Second thing. A person that refuses to risk being mistreated will become a person with no forgiveness, no grace, and no mercy. Don't live your life in fear of being burnt. Love dangerously. Have radical grace and forgiveness. Fanatical mercy. Why? Because that is who Jesus is. And there'll be times where you're going to get hurt. There'll be times where you're going to be like, man, I... I wonder if I should have done that. But if we would stop giving up on people and we instead remembered that Jesus didn't give up on us. Nicodemus and the woman at the well, and here this official with a sick son, they all needed Jesus. And every person that's ever hurt you or done you wrong, they need Jesus too. And that's what we need to do with the people around us. Invest in them. Spend time with them. And then invite them to Jesus. Don't live in fear of being burnt. Love dangerously. Have radical grace and forgiveness. And fanatical mercy. Bow our heads and pray. As the worship band comes. Heavenly Father... God, you know my heart, and I know the things we talked about this morning are so much easier to say than to actually do. God, I pray you'd use your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and grace. Help us to to see your will in these situations that we're struggling with. God, I pray that you would help us to pray for those that abuse us. God, I pray you'd help us to be different. We're so quick to cut people out of our lives. God, we know there's times when we have to distance ourselves and relationships have to change, God. But I still pray that you have, uh, give us that supernatural ability to forgive and to have mercy and to not allow bitterness and uh, hopelessness creep into our lives. Every head bowed this morning, every eye closed. Altars open. Spend a little bit of time just digesting this. These are big and deep and hard things to think about. Ask God where this applies to you.